welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James Kay. Joining me on this beautiful Friday night is Chris Pennett. Chris, oh my God, we're 15 days away from the start of the season, man. I mean, how did this happen? It feels like we just started the offseason yesterday and now we're here pretty much. We're here. You know, the weird thing I was thinking today, it seemed like April had lasted a long time, but I don't, I don't think that was the case. I think it was just kind of a up and down weather with March and April. And so, like, like you said, here we are without warning. It's, it's May tomorrow, and the season kicks off in a couple of weeks. It doesn't feel real, but I'm excited to have WNBA basketball back in action here, man. It's been so long, it feels like, and you know, we're, we'll just jump right into it. And actually before, we, actually, before we do that, I just want to say we do have some exciting things coming that we will announce soon. But before we get into the rest of the episode, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get them and leave us a review. And yeah, we just would love to hear your feedback and we appreciate your support. So, but Chris, let's discuss some of the hot topics of training camp so far. The team is one week into it and there's just... Plenty of storylines that we need to get into. To me, the biggest one is Natasha. I always say Natasha. Uh, (laughs) Natasha Mack. Natasha Mack's status for the season, I think, is a really interesting storyline. As we approach the preseason, which I think the Sky have two games on May 9th and May 11th against the Fever. So we're, we're approaching that right now. I love Natasha Mack. Her press, her press conference appearance today was hilarious, but she's in a tough position to make this roster. I'm curious, Chris, you were at the first press conference earlier this week, and you asked James Wade about how she's been performing at camp so far. Can you just give the audience a little bit of insight to what Wade's response was when you asked him about that? James Wade was very, he seemed very impressed with how uh, Natasha has played at training camp so far. He said her ability to block shots at the college level will definitely translate to the uh, WNBA, to the pros. And her, mo- her motor and her mobility, uh, I think they were very impressed with, uh, her ability to run the floor. And Steph Dolson actually echoed those same uh, sentiments when she came on the presser after Coach Wade went off. So it seems like Natasha Mack's been just about as advertised as she, as she was pre-draft. Uh, rim runner, good defense, good mobility, good motor. Didn't necessarily mention her uh, offensive uh, capabilities, which is what I saw on her tape in the tournament and at Oklahoma State. But I, I was very interested to see how her rim running would be in their game against West Virginia. She looked like she uh, tired out a bit near the end of quarters, and she wasn't as fast up and down the floor. Maybe it's different with her having been the focal point of their offense, but it definitely saw uh, some things that I was, I was uh, interested to see how they would actually look in, in time have panned out. So I, I think that her chances of sticking on the roster are very good. That's interesting because I was actually going the other way and it's not because I don't think that she's a talented basketball player, but the reality of the WNBA in this moment is that, you're competing against a lot of high quality players that also are, that might not make the roster. And the reason I say that is just because the sky's cap situation for this season is it's tough. It's, and it's very, their cap space is kind of scarce at this moment, but if you were to go on her hoop stats right now, which I encourage you to utilize, the team has $138,000 in cap room. But what's important to note here is training camp and draftees contracts don't count towards the cap. So what's interesting about this is that Annie Constable has, since we last recorded a podcast about a week or two ago, um, Annie Constable reported that Azrae Stevens, Ruthie Hebert, and the Stu Do are locks to make the roster. So going back to the cap situation for a second, a Stu is signed to a training camp contract worth around $70,000. And Shyla Heal, who was this year's number eight overall pick in the WNBA draft, who's with the Sky now, her contract is $67,000. So if you consider that the cap situation right now is that the Sky have $138,000 and they have $137,000 
tied to these two players that aren't counting towards the cap right now, there's really no wiggle room here for Natasha Mack to make the roster. And James Wade said in any Constable's article from this past week about Shyla Heal, we didn't draft her to try her out. We know she's going to be on our team. So that means that they're probably not going to suspend her or partially suspend her. And that the team is kind of set in terms of the roster, unless they're able to move Gabby Williams before the season, which I, I, Gabby is kind of off the table now a little bit to me, unless this guy really like completely sell low on Gabby Williams, which I think would be a mistake. But since she's going to be with team France, for the first few weeks of the season, at least, I think that it's going to be hard for any team to realistically go after Gabby Williams, who's on, who this is her contract year. I think she is a restricted free agent. If I'm, I believe that's the case. So maybe there's a chance for to bring Gabby in and try to convince her that she should sign a contract extension with the team. And maybe that's what makes it all worth it to go after this player. But right now, Gabby's trade value isn't, super high right now where it doesn't really necessarily it doesn't make too much sense to get rid of Gabby Williams. So unless they were to get rid of someone like Steph Dolson, which I don't think they're going to do, they value Steph on and off the court. It's really hard to imagine Natasha Mack being able to make the roster, which again is just crazy to think about having her slip to the 16th pick in the draft this past year. And a lot of people considering it to be, one of the steals of the draft, if not the steal, but it's just, it's tough right now that the the cap doesn't add up. So, I mean, do you envision a scenario where the sky are able to pull off a bigger trade around some of these other players right now where they can maybe keep Natasha Mack if they're so blown away by her performance in training camp? Because I can't really see James Wade doing that with just, again, two weeks before the season. Ever since Gabby Williams' name came up in draft night trade talks, I think the the realization has been that you know maybe she maybe she doesn't fit on the roster somewhere in in the mind of the coaching staff, which I know sucks for us as fans. I love Gabby, I, I straight up do. I think she's a player that fits in a lot of different places in your lineup, and she's a good player to have. She's still young. She's still very young. But if they're looking for a defensive, if they're looking for a defensive forward who can possibly defend multiple positions, I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know if Natasha Mack is that yet. I don't think she can stick guards. If the sky want to, you know, switch on defense rather than double and hedge. But if they're looking for Natasha Mack to fill some of those gaps, then that's a a, a lower cost player with more uh, more controllable years. I, I don't, the, the issue is I don't think that she's a true replacement for that type of player. She's not necessarily a three-point shooter. If she is, it hasn't been brought up yet. And again, she's, she's not a, a tweener type of player who can stake guards, who can offer you what Gabby does in terms of leading a second unit. But again, she is going to command less value or she, she has a, less, a lower cost. So I think of anybody that would be traded to make room for Natasha Mack, it would have to be Gabby Williams. Because like you said, uh, Steph is, is important to the team and what they do. Uh, Gabby is going to be in the Olympics, so you're gonna not, you won't have her for a lot of this year. So it's not like a lost year completely in terms of having her on the, in the, on the roster, but you're losing a lot of time. I, it's weird to me to have that be as much of a factor for trading somebody outright, but it seems like that's something that they're, they're looking at that's figuring into the decision. But I'm, I'm just going by, by what I heard and the impression that I got from a 10-minute press conference. They really like Natasha Mack. The Steph is a veteran. She, she mentioned how, one, how well she has played so far, and two, how she's trying to learn as much as she possibly can, which means that she's a very coachable player, which is pretty much what you want from a rookie. I don't know. 
it's it's really hard to say. I'm not a I'm not a practiced hand at reading these types of situations. So it just seems to me like they might be looking at moving Gabby and and having Natasha fill that spot, if not that specific role. After the press conference today, I've just been thinking a lot about what James Wade said about making sure the team is peaking in September rather than at the start of the season. Like last year, we saw the best of the sky in those first few games where they were one of the most dominant offensive forces in the league. And we thought that they had a chance of really getting after it during playoff time. If they were able to get diamond back at hundred percent, she was coming off the bench initially just because she had those lower body injuries that she was dealing with. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot about that quote, just about how they want to be peaking at the right time, making sure everybody's healthy. Maybe they're going into this season thinking we don't need the number one seed to be a championship caliber team. If we have all the pieces in line by September where we haven't overburdened Courtney Vandersloot by running her into the ground, if we manage the injuries of Azure Stevens, making sure diamond is where she needs to be and, we learned today from the press conference that James Wade believes that Diamond is 100% ready to go and that she won't be restricted, which is a great sign for this guy, honestly, especially early on. I think that maybe they're going to be, I mean, you have to make some tough decisions in the WNBA. I think they're going to have to end up cutting Natasha Mack. That's, she's looking great now, but if you're thinking, what do I need in September to win a WNBA championship? I think having Gabby Williams as a defensive stopper and she's a gamer. Let's just be honest. She's a gamer. She has improved in some areas of her game. She played well overseas, whether that translates over to the WNBA this season, we won't know, but having Gabby on the roster in September, maybe just helping just getting through the playoffs with having someone like her, who's a Swiss army knife, I think would Mm -hmm. be more valuable than trying to keep Natasha Mack, hoping that she pans out for them over the next five years. And it, that kills me because I'm really high in Natasha Mack. When you talk about what this team needs outside of the backup point guard position, filling that hole, I think that interior defense has to be at the top of the list and having someone like Natasha Mack with that 6'11 wingspan who can alter shots, change the way an offense runs its system. It it would be an absolute shame to let her go, but it kind of, all the signs point to it right now, unless some big move happens before the start of the season. I just don't think James Wade would do that continuity wise. Do you think that the sky try to move Ruthie? You know, Ruthie, Ruthie had a really nice rookie season, but if they feel like, Natasha Mack is going to give them more in terms of defense. Do you think that they look for something that they could move Ruthie and have Natasha fill that slot? He did say, he being James Wade, did say that Ruthie is a lock to, to be on this roster on opening night. So okay. that makes things more complicated. And again, I was a little bit more surprised that Stu Do was going to be the one that for sure was the lock on this roster just because Okay. You know, she, right. she hasn't played that much since she left the sky in, like, at least in the WNBA, I mean. And, and again, I, I thought that what she brought to the table for them when Steph Dolson or when Jantel Lavender w- went out in that 2019 season was admirable. And she really was one of the key pieces to that team being as successful as it was up until that Aces game. I was a little bit surprised that James Wade was – committing to her right away. But at the same time, if you know what you have in a stew do, and you don't necessarily know how Natasha Mack is going to look at the WNBA level, since you only really have the two preseason games and training camp to really see what you have. I just can't imagine that Natasha Mack is going to be on this roster on opening night. And it's a shame. I wonder what other teams out there are going to go after her. I'm, I think that she, needs to be in the right situation too to thrive. But we're, when we talk about her ceiling, we're talking about someone that in, in my mind, at least can be an anchor on the defensive end. There's some people that think that she can be a defensive player of the year, which I don't know if I would go 
with that praise necessarily if I had to, if I was a betting man and I'm not, cause I'm horrible at sports gambling, but <laughs> um, I'm curious to see which team ends up picking her up. If the sky don't find a way to make it work, because again, I think that she was an absolute steal at 16 and it would just, again, it would just be a shame to let her go because she's a really talented basketball player that ended up on a team that's ready to win now. And that the reality of the league right now, you're going to have to let go of some great players that come into your system and culture. And I kind of feel like that's the case right now, but you know, there's a couple other things that came up during the press conferences so far that I've found to be really interesting. And we've kind of already touched on this, but Azra Stevens and her status for this upcoming season, I think is really interesting just in the way that Wade talked about managing her minutes early on. She's not going to be playing more than 30 minutes a game. That's what Wade was saying today. And again, look, we talked about, he wants this team to be better late in the season rather than peaking at the start of the year. So, and we kind of talked a little bit about this before the show, but I'm kind of curious to see who's going to be closing those games at the end. Do you feel like James Wade is going to be kind of go with the hot hand like he has in the past? Or do you kind of feel like once we get to the playoffs that it's probably going to have to be Azure Stevens and Candace Parker in the front court? And again, I'm also sorry to the sky show shy because I know that he really wants Steph Dolson to be starting and closing games for this team, but it, it has to be brought up with, one, Azra being extended this past offseason and Wade raving about how she's going to be a piece of the future for this team, that he wants her to be a part of his culture. But I think it's an interesting discussion and hearing how he was talking about Azra today, I thought was, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't say eye-opening necessarily, but the way that he's and the training staff are valuing her this training camp and making sure that she's ready to go full force when the season's ready and up and going, and they're going to need her because of all these commitments overseas. Um, how do you just see Azure fitting into the team this year? And um, do you agree with my assessment about her probably starting when the playoffs come around? I definitely think she'll be starting uh, at this point in time. You, know, you have to see how things play out. I, I really do want to see how she comes back, um, how she's looking from that injury. Um, once the season starts, but, you know, we all saw what she did early on in the bubble. She had a, a cold streak of a few games and then lit it right back up before she had to go out. So I, um, I think that she'll be doing well. Now, I don't think that James Wade, once everything's set, even, as, even though he is pulling double duty as coach and general manager, I don't think he takes contracts into account when you're talking about who plays and who sits especially once it gets to uh, crunch time of winning games. The Sky are a team that still needs to get a high seed, as high a seed as possible. They're not at the point yet where they can say, okay, we can get the four or the five and be okay. They want to miss that playing game by all means. So I think he's not going to, I don't think he's going to change his style. Whoever is hot, whoever's looked the best, whoever's um, executed the game plan the best throughout the game is going to be closing games unless something says different. You might have some different matchups for teams like that they've had trouble with, like Minnesota, where their best lineup or their lineup at the time seems to play into uh, the Lynx's hands. Uh, but I think that he's going to keep going with whoever, whomever has been playing the best, executing the game plan the best, whoever's hot in the last six to seven minutes of, of a game. Um, and I think Z, with what she brings, will be a part of that, especially if, if she's consistent in the mid-range and she's consistent with her outside jump shot. She's going to be in there most of the time. It won't be all the time just because it's dictated by, by, the, by what I just said, you know, whoever's yeah. out of hand. But Azrae, I can't imagine that she would not – figure in as a big part of the team's plans once it gets past the mid-season break. And by plans, I mean um, how they're orienting their strategies. No, I'm with you. The thing that I've just been thinking about over the last couple of weeks is with how limited their time is in training camp, 
is the sky going to be able to have enough time where maybe their top eight players in terms of Courtney, Alley, Diamond to Shields, Kalia Copper, Azrae Stevens, Candace Parker, just to name a few, are all are those players going to have enough time on the court together to make sure they feel comfortable come playoff time? And that's when I think, again, if we're if James Wade is going to be emphasizing making sure everything is in line for the latter half of the season, which makes a ton of sense to me, by the way, given this team's injuries, injury history, is it enough time, 32 games? Um, is that going to be enough time for this team to be able to develop enough chemistry on the court to make it work? I think it is. And that James Wade can just go about business as usual. But if I'm him as well, I'd also be thinking about, okay, I'm going to be choosing certain lineups maybe early on the season where I'm making sure that Azure and Candice are working together and making sure that I'm seeing what that fit looks like. And maybe seeing how Kalia Copper looks at the end of games. Maybe she might be someone that they can go to in the half court. You know, also Diamond Shield hasn't played basketball with the sky in over a year. So you got to, there's all these different elements where you have to make sure everyone's on the same page and able to come together when it really matters most. So that's the reason why I brought it up. And I thought that it was interesting hearing Wade talk about today, how they're going to manage her minutes. And I'm curious to see how they manage her minutes and if they're going to be picking, having her come in with certain players to see how, it works to make just to be able to start thinking about the playoffs. Cause I, I mean, they are, they're going to make the playoffs. There's no, I mean, a team with Candace Parker, Courtney Vandersloot, Allie Quigley, Diamond of Shields on and on and on that team's going to make the playoffs, but I'm with you in terms of the play in game and them wanting to avoid that. But I think it's interesting to see what, how that's going to play out. But Chris, I got to ask, have you been watching any Shyla heel tape? at all since uh the last time we spoke i know it's only been a week I'm not, i know i'm putting you on the spot here but i have been doing a little bit of homework and i'm curious if you and we haven't had a chance to talk about this at all have you uh had a chance to watch any shallow heel highlights i watched a highlight tape that i found uh the day or the night of the draft after they after she was selected just to get an idea a feel of, of what her game was like and it's very impressive uh, we, I, I talked to Jacoby Cochran from City Cash Chicago, and he had seen either the same tape or a similar one because he was already in the know. His, his exact words was like, she has some, she has handles, is exactly how he put it. She has handles. And that is definitely true. I love how ooh-ah her game is. You know, <laughs> you're going to get, especially since we've confirmed that fans are going to be back at some point, the fans are going to see, the fans are going to have a lot of fun watching her. As a rookie, she might make some plays that are going to either leave them scratching their heads or, you know, groaning sometimes, or it's just, it'll be rookie mistakes, but she's definitely going to hit some long three. She's going to go inside out dribble or split a double team. And everybody's going to like stand up and be like, Ooh, you know, <laughs> she's going to bring that type of excitement to, uh, to win trust. And I think as, as well, as long as she develops well, She's going to be a good, solid player for some time to come. I know I think that you're even higher than that on her, but I, I like I said, I like her tape. She does not have any fear when it comes to uh, making moves to the basket or shooting. So I'm still trying to come up with an evaluation on her. Um, I'm, my morning routine now is just waking up an hour before I normally do and just watching Shyla Heel tape because <laughs> I'm really interested in how the sky filled this gaping hole backing up Sloot. And actually, one random stat before we get into Shyla. In the Sky's first six games of the season last year, Courtney Vandersloot's net rating was 46.9. 46.9. That's insane, man. Um, <laughs> and I was looking it up to see. I was looking at Azure's stats in the first few games of the season because I was interested in that. And I saw Courtney's net rating being 46.9. That was unbelievable. Um, sorry to just scream into your ear there. But... You know, one that I mean, I think this is a fascinating storyline of the season. Is Shyla going to be able to come in right away and again fill in that backup role with Sloot? And and actually, Shyla is still tr- waiting to figure out 
how to come over to the U.S. Apparently, there's yeah. some problem with her visa. I, it's not a concern, but James Wade is confident that she'll be here soon. But in terms of her onboarding process, if you want to call it that, let's not call it that because yeah. that makes it sound like it makes it sound like a job. Hey, it is a job. <laughs> I You're know, coming. but it makes it sound like a like an like she has to talk to HR. Let's not call it onboarding. <laughs> In terms of her being implemented into the offense, we'll bring it back to sports. There you go. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously you want to give a 19-year-old the most time you can going into training or going into the season. And, you know, you hope that she would have been there on day one. Obviously, she couldn't pull that off or, you know, she was overseas. But everything that I have seen from her makes me think that she can handle this role a little bit better than the other rookie guards coming into this league. And by that, I mean the ones who were drafted after her, you know, I, again, I don't want to give my full evaluation yet. I've only watched four full games, um, but what I've seen so far, she's a gamer, man. And if I, again, if I were to just pick anyone after the eighth pick of this draft, if you put in a situation where she's coming in without a training camp and needs to step in right away, I do think that she was the best option just from what I've seen, the brutality of the overseas game makes me think that she can handle the physicality of the WNBA right away. She okay. doesn't play like she's five six. She really doesn't. And she isn't ready to start by any means either. But, I mean, again, I, on the defensive end, that's the part where I'm kind of curious about. But they just need her to not sink the ship. And from what I've seen, she's fully capable of, running an offense and especially with the support that she's going to get in the second unit that already has a few starting caliber players. I think Kalia Copper, man, I think that she's going to be someone that is going to pair well with Shyla Heal and Shyla being able to go in with Ruthie as well, who both of those players excel in the pick and roll. Yes. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that second unit hums with Shyla because one of the things that has impressed me the most out of all the games that I've watched so far is that when she comes out of the game, the offense falls apart. I think oh. that you can really see her value on the team that she's on when she comes off the floor and the offense is just kind of all over the place when, and then she comes back in and she really dictates the pace and she's not going to blow you away with her speed but she's able to create separation with herself. She has this step back that she's really comfortable with. And that's going to be a move, especially early on in her WNBA career that she's going to need to utilize because I have a hard time imagining that she's going to be able to get to the basket at five, six going against some of these <laughs> bigger players in the league. I think that that's probably going to be something that is going to be taken away from her game at the beginning, but Two, three years from now. I mean, you know what? I, I totally just gave you an evaluation of her, but, yeah. um, you know, the uh, I totally botched that. But I'm just excited because, from again, this is only my first impression through four games. It does seem that Shyla has the ability to be a game changer. And two, three years from now, I really do believe that she's going to be someone that we're talking about more because she has the it factor, man. She has the it factor and she's – I mean, if you were to tell me she was 19, year, 19 years old, I wouldn't have believed you because from what I saw, I think that she's going to be really impressive. But again, I am really am curious to see how she does right away. Without a training camp, she's definitely not going to make it back for the preseason games because if they're on May 9th and 11th and they she ha if she's not already in the United States, she has to go through COVID protocols, which is what Vanderquigs right. is going through right now because they're back in, in the U.S. Six days. You know what I mean? So, like, that doesn't really – I don't really know what's going to happen here with Shyla being able to come in right away without having <laughs> that meant that much reps with this offense. But we'll see. I Again, she's tough. She's really tough, and she bounces off of people. I, I really like Shyla Heald. I'm really excited to see what Shyla is able to do once she's able to finally get in the practice facility. It's really important for them to figure that out soon, but it, it does sound like she is going to be able to get here safely and uh, acclimate herself with the team. Chris, do you want to do 
let's do quickly with these over-unders um, because this is one of my favorite segments that I've, I've done since uh, I started the show back in 2018, 2019. Um, and uh, it's been a minute. It's been, yeah, man, <laughs> geez, time flies, but um, yeah, we're going to, let's do some over-unders because we did this with REA Schwartz last year. And I don't know if you remember this, but last year I proposed a over-under on Courtney Vandersloot averaging over 10 assists per game or under 10 yes, assists per game. Do that. Aurier bet the under, I bet the slight over, and you did the cop-out. of she, I she would, exactly. Exactly 10. And guess what happens, Chris? She had exactly 10. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, some heroics happened with the coaching staff being able to dig out some tape of Courtney getting that last assist that she needed. I think what she was averaging like 9.99 assists yeah. per game. And then this guy went back and found like, Oh, there was actually one assist that you guys missed. So give our, uh, give our point God 10 assists per game for the season. Thank you very much. Um, so with that in mind, you know what, let's just go into it, Chris over under with Courtney Vandersloot averaging 10 assists per game next season. Do you take the over or under? I take the under this time because they've got Candace Parker, who, uh, and she's just such a fantastic passer, especially in the post. So that's going to give them freedom to operate in a um, high post offense type game if they want to. I'm really interested to see what type of um, offensive plans they break out. But you have Candace Parker who can operate from the elbow and find cutters like Diamond, D-Double, or Ka. Um, or even Allie moving off the ball. So I think that's going to take away some of Courtney's assists. So I say under this year, I think she goes about 8.5, maybe even seven, depending on the team's numbers. And I think, and that's not a knock against Courtney at all. I think it's just going to be um, a different type of team when you have a player like Candace Parker. And I think when you have a player like Candace Parker and a Courtney Vandersloot, some of these, you know, the, the sky might become even more of a team that looks for the, that, that next pass. They're going to yeah. find the open person. They're going to find the open player, but they're still going to look for the best possible shot. As long as it doesn't translate to turnovers, I think there's going to be a few players with three assists per game. So Courtney's assists are going to be necessarily down because of that. I'm 100% with you with this. I actually kind of hope that she doesn't average 10 assists per game this season just because that would mean that she's not being overburdened on the offensive end, meaning that she might have some breathing room not having to play over 30 minutes a game this season. I think that's going to be incredibly important. You know, She plays basketball 11 and a half months out of the year. So I agree with you. I think that Candice is another added dimension to this where she's going to be doing more playmaking for the sky and Courtney is not going to her what her usage rate isn't probably going to be the same as it was last year. Um, so I, I agree with you. I would go, I'm going to take the under, I think this is the first time I've ever done a, something that was remotely negative in terms of Courtney Vandersloot on the show. So, you know, three years in Chris, there's always a first. Um, so this is <laughs> the, an interesting... remotely negative is a good way to put that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Very slightly negative. I can't. Um, but Next one, Ellie Quigley. Last year, she shot 34% from three. Let's bump this up a little bit. I don't want to just focus on last year necessarily. Do you take the over-under on Allie Quigley shooting 37.5% from three? Allie, it's not that Allie's a toss-up, but of the players who we've wondered about how they would perform as time goes on I don't know what it is but there's something that some some reason it just always kind of I always wonder is like is Allie going to be lights out again is Allie going to be lights out again is Allie going to be lights out again and 37.5 percent is very good but we know Allie can shoot 40 percent from from the arc so Oh, I almost want to cop. I almost want to cop out and ask what you're going to pick, and then I'm going to pick the opposite, so we have a good balance show. How about I'm this? Go ahead and say the over. I'll take the over. That was the correct answer, Chris, <laughs> because in the previous three seasons before last, she shot over forty percent from three. It was a little bit bizarre, almost that she got off to that cold start to the 
uh, the beginning of the season last year where she, it just wasn't falling, but for her at 34% from three last year, that's an anomaly, man. That's an anomaly. She's going to have even more room to operate, not being one of the focal points of the defense each time out. That's not to say that she's not capable of demanding that type of coverage because she did last year and, you know, defenses gave her hell because of it. I honestly think that she's going to, this is one of my hottest takes going into this upcoming season that I haven't even shared with you. I'll take alert. Let's go. Sound the sirens. Sound the sirens. Um, we got to make that a, we got to make that a part of the show. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Ali is going to have her most efficient season yet. And Ooh. yeah, I think that we're about to see one of the best seasons from Allie Quigley. She might not reach her peak in terms of points per game, but I think she's totally capable of having a 40, 50, 90 year. And that is something that hasn't been done that many times in the WNBA. I think that there's only been two other instances and that Courtney Vandersloot almost did it last year, but she was off by a few percentages. God, I think it might've been either field goal percentage or free throw percentage. I think she might've been at like closer to 88%, but I do think Allie is someone that is going to, have such an efficient year having a Candace Parker come in and being able to take some of the pressure off of Ali and having Steph Dolson back to set screens to free up Ali off the ball. I think it's going to be, I think Ali quickly is going to just have a tremendous season. So when I see this 37.5% bullshit that I just created, I think that, uh, no, I, I think that she's going to shoot 40% from three again, because again, let me pull it up from last year just because or the last three seasons before last year, because I'm taking a look at it myself. She, oh, come on. The, these stats, these, the, the layout of the stats page is all over the place all the time. So I can't pull it off right now, but she did shoot over 40% from 2017 to 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. uh, 43%, 42% and 44.2%. Uh, with over five attempts a game, yeah, uh, all three seasons, which is you know, borderline borderline comical, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it dropped to thirty four point six percent, which is which is still very good, but she averaged six, and and you know the sky were all out of sorts last season. Yeah, I yeah, I'll take the over. I gotta take the over, right? Yes, you do, Chris, because it all <laughs> it makes too much sense. Um, no, <laughs> no. Um, next one though. Candace Parker averaged fourteen point seven points per game last year. You kind of already answered this in the first one, but I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. Do you think she what well, set at fourteen points per game? Because I think that's a little bit more interesting, honestly. Do you take the over or under on that mark? I'm going to say she averages 14.3 points per game. Ooh. Why 14.3? That's so specific. Um, Because it's in that irrational number when you divide by seven. It's always uh, one, four, two, five, eight, seven. I think it's nine is the next digit. And so that'll get rounded up to three. And I just think that Candace is going to have some multiple of seven of uh, shooting attempts this mm. season. I'm just making all this up as I go along <laughs> because it sounds fun. Uh, but I just wanted to go a little bit off. I couldn't say she averages exactly 14 points per game, but I, I, I really wanted to say exactly that. I, 14 is, is a solid number. And, and we're putting a lot, man, we're putting a lot on Candace. I really yeah. want the season to start so I can see how this goes because I don't necessarily think she's going to get off to a fast start, even being in a new environment. And I don't, we don't necessarily know how this, how these players are going to work together. That's what we talked about earlier in the show, but 14 at this point in Candace's career for her being the superstar she is, is still very solid. And I think that that means that the sky are clicking in terms of having multiple players be focal points in the offense from night to night. And by by that, I mean to say that players are scoring around nine to 10 to 11 to 12 points per game. If everything is right, you're still going to see court. You're still going to see Sloot get, um, you know, around eight points, 10 points a night, 
Allie, if she you clock four threes, that's 12 points right there. Um, Diamond, if Diamond is right, she's definitely a she should be like 15 to 16 points per game. And even Ka with with where Ka it will be, you figure that she'll get some time with the second unit as well, should be around 12 points too. Dude, I'm with you. I think that this offense is just going to share the distri- there's going to be a distribution of wealth. I'll, I'll put it that way. That's a great where, way to put it. Because there's going to be the Allie Quigley night. There's going to be the Candace Parker night. And then there's going to be through, there's going to be seven to eight players scoring in double digits on some nights as well. You know what I mean? It's just something that when you look at this team and how it's built, it's built on team basketball, making quick decisions. And in an offense like that, you're not going to have someone scoring 20 points per game. And if someone is scoring 20 points per game, I'm not entirely sure how much that transfers over into, into the success of this team necessarily. Um, but right. um, yeah, no, I'm with you. I kind of, but in terms of like 14 points per game, I think I'm with you. I think I would go, I'll take the slight over. I'll go on Bovada later tonight, Chris. I'll go on <laughs> Bovada later tonight. Um, let's do the next one. The sky were eighth in the league last year in defensive rating. 102.7 was their defensive rating, in case you were wondering. Do you think the sky will be – would you take the over-under on the sky being a a bottom eight defensive team, or do you think you – do you see them cracking into the top seven? If they want to go to the finals, they have to get into the top half of the league because we know what the – with the pieces that they've gathered, they'll be able to score as long as everything goes right. But it, it always depends. Can they defend well? Can they get to the free throw line? Which is, And can they uh, crash the offensive boards? So I don't want to be bearish on this because if I am, it means that they're a second round playoff team, I think, unless uh, some breaks go their way. I, I would put them. I would. I would put them at at seven. I think conservatively. I don't think it's going to go off right away, uh, defensively. Now, some of that depends on what we talked about earlier. If um, the way that they're talking about Natasha Mack, if they keep Natasha Mack, then that might help their defense. Um, Candace Parker is is obviously going to have to help on their uh, is going to have to help their defense. They didn't bring her just to be a one-way player. Yeah. And Z is going to have to be um, at a, as close to 100% health as, as possible for their defense to be top-notch. But I, that is something I really want to wait on. So right now, and I will be very happy to be wrong about this later, I'll say that they're going to stay around seven or eight. I'm – closer to you with that i think that honestly i don't even think they need to be a top four defense in the league in order to be successful i think the offensive firepower is right there in order and if they're even just a slightly above average defensive team i think it's going to be really hard to stop the offense from clicking and i think the sky could be a top six defensive team in the league so i'm going to take i guess it would be the under in this situation where i think that they would be um I think they're, they're going to be closer to six or seven as well in terms of the defensive rating from last year. And uh, I think losing Ezra Stevens halfway through the season two did hurt the defense and not having an extra bot, a six, six forward, being able to clog up the paint and yeah. um, her block percentage from last year is also crazy. Oh, was, when she, yeah. oh man, she was great on help side defense. Yeah, no, she's someone that, is going to be a really valuable piece. That's why I'm really excited to see her next to Candace. But I do think missing her at the end of last year and let's not forget diamond to shields. I am. I'm always curious to see how a player looks going into a season after battling a year long injury. Cause that we found out on opening night or opening day when Michelle Vobel, I believe it was, reported that diamond wasn't going to start for the sky and she would be coming off of the bench because of those lower body injuries that she was dealing with. And I think when you gain diamond to shields back, the defense is going to also come together um, when she's hawking <laughs> Paul Handler's on the true. perimeter. So that's very true. I do. I don't think they're going to be as bad on defense, but they do have to put it together and this is a new group. So 
let's do this will be the last one because I think it's a fun one to end it on. So the Sky were a top six team last year. They ended up being 12 and 10 after kind of plummeting in the last few games of the season. I think they went four and six, I want to say. Chris Pennant, do you take the over or under on the Sky being a top? You know what? Oh, I'm going to set it at two and a half. How about that? I'm going to make it two and a half. You take the over or under on the Sky being in the top half or the top two in the league, or you see them three somewhere between three and 12. Obviously, probably not going to be 12, but <laughs> as the Indiana Fever exists, but. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sold. Not sold. We can get back to that when we have someone else on to talk about the league at large. But um, yeah, do you, I'm setting the over under at two and a half. Um, not yet. Not yet. I'm not there yet. Ask me in, <laughs> ask me in July. Had to bait you, um, man. Come on. Ask, ask me in July when the sky are hopefully uh, like uh, 12 and three at the 15 game mark of the season. If they get to that point, then we can start talking about uh, top seed or, or number two seed in, in the league. But I, I don't think so yet. I mean, they have finished at number four. Was it num- no, number, was it number four or number five two years ago? And then last year they ended the playoffs in the number seven slot. In, tw- are you, and, in, 20, in 2019 you're talking about? Because I think they did finish fifth in 2019. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to remember if it was if they were fourth or fifth. And no, yeah, you're right. It had to be fifth because the number four uh, had a bye in the first round. So they they finished fifth and they finished seventh. Last year, you almost I can almost throw that out because of injuries, because of the bubble, because it was the COVID championship. You can almost really kick that out. But they're still trying to they're, they're known. Nobody's sleeping necessarily on Chicago anymore, but they still have to prove themselves a t- an upper echelon team. People are going to want to give them that dark horse finals pick, but I think as longtime watchers of that team, we know of this team, we know to be uh, critical. We can be critical, and we know what their shortcomings are. So I need to see those bear out before I say top, top two. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to go say four, four puts them in a very good spot. Mm. Three is even better. I think they're definitely top four, but that's as far as I'm going to go. I think when we talk about seating versus where the team's actually at, I mean, those are two different things. I think we should acknowledge that, you know, there are teams that are just going to manage themselves a little bit in the regular season versus trying to prove yourself like the sky kind of did in 2019, where they hadn't really had any playoff success since the Elena Deladon years and they had to go out and prove that they could be a playoff team. I kind of think the sky are now in a position where like, look, if we're healthy, we are one of the best teams in the league. We are arguably the best team in the league. And I, again, I think we're, that, that's a different conversation than where do they end up in the standings? Based off, again, just these couple of press conferences that we've been able to be a part of so far, I can see them being closer to the three seed right now. There's just a lot of X factors heading into this season. I'm real, I mean, I think Vegas will probably be the number one seed. To, but again, they also kind of have to figure out the Liz Campage, Asia Wilson, how they're going to yeah. manage those two. Is how they, they, they still clear. have not really hammered that out. It's going to, I think that's a fascinating storyline after the Aces went to the finals last year and Asia showed that she can be the number one player and can be the, she's the offense. And now that Liz comes in again, watching Liz Cambage in Australia was so funny, man. She gets fouled every single time she touches the ball and they don't call it because if they did, it would just be 40 free throws a game and it would be <laughs> just drag on for hours and hours. It's so funny. But yeah. I think that the Minnesota Lynx are kind of under the radar. I think they're going to, the Nafisa Collier MVP dark horse campaign. I'm not necessarily saying I'm on the wagon necessarily, but I'm trailing behind it. I'm watching where it goes. I'm following the the trail that it leaves in the sand and uh, I'm curious to see where that goes, but the Connecticut Sun also get John Quill Jones back. 
Yeah, that's true. The, I hate, I'm, a, I'm not as high in Washington as a lot of other people are. I think losing Alicia Clark completely makes it a really difficult. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, how, like that being their big acquisition, that I don't know losing that piece is going to make, is going to be enough to overcome some of these other teams in the league. And then, like you've been saying for months now, that I honestly, a lot of people haven't been saying ever since Natasha Howard left to go to New York and the the storm traded for Katie Lou Samuelson. A lot of people have kind of fallen off. They've kind of the love for the storm isn't necessarily there. I do think you have to give them a little bit respect here, and that this could be just an amazing Brianna Stewart year where <laughs> she just goes off and is able to uh, just have an MVP season that we haven't seen in a long time. So there's just a lot of factors. There's a lot of things at play here, and. I can see that again for a lot of factors. I could, I, in terms of just the standings, and we're not talking about the talent level of a certain team, I can't see the sky being at the in the three seed, comfortably in the three seed, healthy going into the playoffs. Chris, I, that's all the over unders that I had, but did you want to talk a little bit about WNBA merchandise? Because there's been a lot of great social media content from other professional sports leagues supporting the WNBA and specifically Chicago. It's been pretty cool, but uh, talk to us a little bit about that and how successful this campaign has been for the league so far. Well, they've, they've started putting these, the the merchandise out, which people have been calling for, for years and years and years now. And with the debut of these uh, city city edition uh, jerseys, the Rebel and Explorer and Heroin editions of these jerseys for the teams. It, it does exactly what uh, the association, being the WNBA, uh, should want. It, it generates buzz and it and it's going to generate uh, revenue because when you have, no matter what, I think this is the thing that some people might not understand uh, outside, from outside the league, from that perspective. When you put out good merchandise, people want it. It doesn't matter if they necessarily watch the league or not. People might pick it up. Even if it gets to a, a consignment shop, people are going to pick it up, and then other people are going to ask, hey, what's that jersey you're wearing? That's pretty dope. These, these jerseys that have been put out, that Indiana Fever Stranger Things jersey, those are going to start showing up once music festivals are back on. Those are going to start showing up at courts where – where cats come through and think that they are the, the absolute shit and they're like hooping in a pro jersey and then they, they're trash. But people are going to see that jersey and going to be like, hey. Are you talking shit about me, Chris? Or do you, do no, you hoop in a jersey? Just, I'm just joking. I'm just... <laughs> it's like, don't be that guy. No. <laughs> <laughs> don't come to the court and hoop in a jersey. Come with your raggedy ass shit and play and then put and then drop 15 points in the in the ones and twos to 16 that's how we know you're the truth if you come through in that diamond to shields rebel edition jersey and you're garbage you will never be able to play again as not you this is for the listeners just take WNBA my advice is going to actually come and retrieve the jersey from you if you exactly. go and pull that shit <laughs> they will repossess it <laughs> <laughs> oh no but God. it's uh this the the white Sox put a post up with uh, Billy Hamilton wearing diamonds Jersey. And while there were a couple of people who thought, I think the top comment on Twitter was that um, uh, Billy was wearing a Penny Hardaway Jersey because evidently Penny played for Chicago at some point in time. What? Um, Our man Sky Show came on and quickly corrected them. Uh. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) shouts out to him, man. He's all over that. He is everywhere. And then he's just like, you wouldn't, he, he some uh, Terika, uh, she knows at she knows sports posted uh, an answer that James Wade had from the presser on Thursday, and Brian comes to he's like I think Quandary Kitten asked that question I'm not quite sure though, and I was like how did how was Brian even on was he on the press conference he is yeah oh he's <laughs> on it man he's on it and I I would never I would never know okay he he's invisible he's the invisible everywhere man. <laughs> One of my favorite tweets of his, just shout out to the Sky Show Shy. He was on our, was he on the last podcast or the one before that? I think it was the one before that. Okay, yeah. (laughs) My favorite tweet from his is when Candace Parker was being introduced 
as in the newest member of the Chicago Sky, and he said <laughs> during the press conference, he tweeted, I wonder if I'm the only one out like on the Zoom call right now wearing a Chicago Sky jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because that is um, that violates a lot of journalistic yeah. integrity laws, Brian. <laughs> that slayed me. I was like, hell yeah, Brian, represent, man. You deserve to Please. be there. <laughs> Honestly, but, uh, though, across the board. Oh, sorry, but are you going to say? Well, I, I, I wanted to, I, I apologize. I, I got a t- on a tangent and I got us off our point. The merchandise is, the merchandise drop, I think, is real cool. The, the difficulty has been so far for people to find it and and that's what has gotten almost as much press as like where is this available at dick sporting goods you know which dick sporting goods have you gone to and that was around the beginning when the first uh social media post came out i know you posted other people were checking the websites like where is this available because i want to buy it so i checked the dick's website myself and i'm pretty sure that these are available at the south loop store that you can get chicago sky jerseys i'm going to try and check the dick sporting goods uh south loop store sometime this next week when i can to see if they've got the the new merchandise the new unis out there but i think that's been uh, very very good kathy engelbert has brought an a business acumen to the league that we haven't seen, I think since its inception with Val Ackerman and Rick, Rick Weiss. And it's, it's going to really change things I, yeah. in the way that the apparel is gonna come out, in the way that the league is marketed uh, visually, in the way that outlets are covering them. And some of it's going to be detrimental to the fans and their access. I want everybody to know that. I've been thinking about this for a while access that people have enjoyed for years is going to diminish and they've got to understand that but it's going to be because your league is on a higher platform so it's great you're you're either going to have to be like the fans who like like watched fallout boy in the vfw halls and be like yo i've been with them from the beginning i can't believe they they sold out or you're going to have to be happy (laughs) that they're playing the, the big stadiums you know so i think that the 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 merchandise marketing has been very telling. And like you said, the fact that they're, um, that you're seeing guys in, in men's sports leagues, not that the, not that the, the league itself needs um, to be co-signed, but it's the partnership. It's not co-signing it's partnership. And especially with uh, teams in their same cities that aren't necessarily owned uh, or jointly owned. That's going to be very important because that's going to introduce the league to uh, fans in other sports. So I think it's been real good. I think it's been done very well. I agree. And I think Kathy Engelbert, I just can't say enough about how great she's done so far in her, what, only three years into this, man, maybe two years. I think it's two years, actually. She's done. She's really turned things around and give props to the players as well. The the, what they've been able to do using their voices to amplify the message of you guys need to bet on us. We can't be successful without you guys putting us in a position to be successful. And yeah, I agree. The partnership with some of these other, I mean, I think about the NBA side, I, someone like Steph Curry has been pretty vocal about supporting the WNBA Kevin Durant called Charlie Collier on draft yeah. night, congratulating her on being the first overall pick. And that's cool. But I hope that it's a part of me feels like maybe there's going to be pressure on the NBA to start investing more in the WNBA because it's kind of like this weird, I don't want to say parent child relationship necessarily, not in terms of the product itself, but like by any means, but in terms of, the NBA needs to invest more in the WNBA because it's still its responsibility to a certain degree. And I sometimes feel that it can be handcuffed a little bit. The WNBA can be handcuffed a little bit by being attached to the NBA, which again, just hasn't invested enough in the WNBA where maybe that'll gradually change. But I do think that there's going to be more pressure on the NBA to funnel more resources to the W because you're seeing all of these players come out, especially in Chicago, man. Like I think about Kobe White, who went to a Sky game two years ago and 
we were all allowed to be at Wintrust. I think you hear him passionately talk about the WNBA. Again, I mentioned Steph, KD. There's, a, I think, Damian Lillard as well. I mean, you see guys wearing these orange hoodies and really buying into like, oh, wait, no, th- these people are fucking good at what they do and we need to give them, we need to put the spotlight on them. And I think that the NBA needs to invest more in the WNBA because it is, it does have a responsibility to do that. Um, and I don't think that's controversial by any means, but not at all. Um, it does need to happen. But I, again, let's just keep this positive for a second. I mean, think about Kaiser Gondrzek, whose Jersey, I forget the exact edition of it, but her Jersey sold out in less than an hour. Wow. Less than an hour, man. Wow. That's pretty incredible for someone who uh, is just coming into this league and wasn't necessarily like a household name. It wasn't like she was coming from UConn where people were like, oh my God, Brianna Stewart. I'm going to buy that Jersey right off the rack. It's like, no, we're talking about the fourth overall pick on the Indiana fever. No disrespect to the Indiana fever by any means. Like I truly mean that you already, you already dropped the disrespect for them. Oh, well that's just because they're roster. (laughs) That's, that's the roster. I'm talking about Indiana. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the state of indiana it's no disrespect to you but there's a reason i mean people when we think about big the bigger cities the hot like the hot destinations you think of <laughs> like new york chicago la you know we're talking about someone kaiser gondra's ex jersey sold out immediately playing for where she's going to be playing on a team that doesn't necessarily always get the most re- recognition um so i think it's going to be interesting to see how merchandise is done moving forward on the distribution side. I know I ordered my orange WNBA hoodie on April 20th, I want to say, and it's not going to get here until June 9th. So I'm hoping, yeah, it's it's a long period to wait. I'm hoping that the league, and I think they obviously will notice this, but if you have things more widely available and you can ship it out, that that's also a part of the growth of the game. And it's an excellent sign already in the preseason we're not even talking the the games haven't even started yet man we're already seeing merchandise sell out that's a really positive sign and i hope that places like dicks and nike are able to buy more and uh build the supply a little bit more than um kind of only invest modestly in it with and having modest expectations when now there's no way you can only produce a certain amount of jerseys of a specific player to sell at your store you have to really step up and provide the fans merch that they clearly are are craving so i think that that's been um that's been really awesome so far i'm really happy for the WNBA, and you know you and i do want to see it grow more and more and more so but is there anything else you want to add before we wrap this up, Chris? I know I didn't realize what time it was until I looked at the corner of my screen just now. <laughs> um, I think that the development that fans are going to be allowed in arenas is big. It's something we, we definitely should have expected, but I was of the mind that it would be, uh, I mean, it's going to be gradual. I was of the mind that there might be some cities exempt. Uh, like Cal- cities in California uh, or or New York, I thought that the Liberty might not be allowing fans in. But pardon me, the the Knicks have had fans in Madison Square Garden for at least the last couple of weeks, so it only makes sense that they would relax the restrictions for when the WNBA season starts as well. But it was it was still kind of a surprise to me yeah. that the fan that fans will be allowed back in. For the for the foreseeable future, our 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 press conferences will continue to be virtual and on Zoom, mm-hmm. which I'm not salty about because it's there's a safety there's a safety recommendation. But if you haven't gotten vaccinated yet out there, get vaccinated so you can yeah, show man. up to win trust and scream. Sky fans, do it. Get, your vaccination get the vaccine. Going. Exactly. Get your vaccination on. I mean, it's so important. I know that. Uh, I'm, I'm so relieved. I mean, I'm going to a Milwaukee Bucks game on May 7th and I become fully vaccinated on May 4th, I believe. So I'm just, 
just the being able to go back to see live basketball, you can be able to do that too if you get vaccinated. And it's so important. Please trust science. Please fucking trust science. <laughs> um, but no, Chris, this has been so fun, man. I'm excited to hop on the pod again soon. We'll have to talk about the season. Uh, what the league at large, I think we got to talk about, <laughs> can't yeah. just talk about the sky. Um, we'll have someone on to discuss all of that. But until then, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you get our pods. You can always find us on Twitter. Our handle is at skyhooking. We've got some really fun things coming on social media for this upcoming season that we're thrilled to do. And, and also you feel free to email us. I know that it seems kind of old these days, but you can always email <laughs> us at the skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. One more time. That is the skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. Chris, tell them where they can find you on the Twitter. I'm at Quandary Kitten. That's K-W-A-N-D-A-R-Y Kitten on Twitter. Um, please email us. I love mailbags. I want to have a, I want to have an episode where we just answer listener questions. So please email us. But you, if you if you have beef with anything that I say, I know I say some crazy stuff. Hit me up, Quandary Kitten at K-W-A-N-D-A-R-Y Kitten. Follow him. He's great. Um, you can follow me at James underscore M underscore K A Y. Guys, thanks so much for joining us for another edition of the Skyhook. And until next time.